to jump off the balcony. Tonight, combing through the aftermath of a weekend apartment fire as residents recount the terrifying ordeal of a blaze that turned tragic. Good evening. We will bring you that story shortly, but we begin tonight with what is going to be another sloppy, slippery commute home for people across the GTA. Another round of bad weather is hitting us, giving crews little breathing room from the last major storm. CTV's Janice Golding is in North York tonight. Janice, how are we doing? Hi, Nathan. You can see the snow is coming down. Now, we're here at the Murray Street Yard near Keelan Wilson, where crews have been preparing for another blast of winter. The city says it has more than 1,000 staff ready to go. And about a half hour ago, the crew started heading out and hitting the roads. Some people were topping up the washer fluid and picking up salt this afternoon with another winter storm headed our way. It's for my parents. Um, They're low on it, so I figured... Might as well um, cash up. Environment Canada has issued a winter weather travel advisory with between 5 and 10 centimeters expected through tonight and early into the morning. And while crews work through the weekend to clear the remnants of last week's storm, they were getting ready today to be back on the roads all evening and overnight. We have approximately 1,100 pieces of equipment ready to be deployed. And as soon as it starts to snow and it will start sticking to the roads, we'll be sending out all our road salters. The TTC is encouraging people to leave the cars at home and to take public transit instead, highlighting its severe weather plan, which includes adding additional operators and vehicles to surface routes to ensure smoother operations, anti-icing and snow clearing protocols above and below ground, storing some subway trains in tunnels to avoid issues getting out of the yards, and frequent social media and web updates to keep customers informed. Meanwhile, if you need a place to keep out of the cold, the city's four warming centers will be open at the Scarborough Civic Center, Metro Hall, Mitchell Field Community Center, and Cecil Community Center. If you do have to be on the roads this evening, the city hopes you'll be mindful of its crews. When they see our plows on the road, that they please stay back, let the plows do their job so it can make the roads, the sidewalks safe for everyone. And be prepared for reduced visibility as well as wind gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour. City says it tackles sidewalks and bike paths once two centimeters has accumulated on the ground, major arterial roads at five centimeters, and residential side streets once eight centimeters has hit the ground. Reporting live, I'm Janice Golding. Now back to Michelle. Thank you, Janice. Let's bring in our Lindsay Morrison. The snow sticking to her eyelashes. What are we expecting over the next 24 hours? Yes, Janice, I'm sorry you're the one out there and I'm inside this warm studio right now, but I can say that already we have seen uh, accumulation happen around the GTA, several centimeters at this hour. Here's a big picture look at our storm. A couple of different types of precipitation impacting southwestern Ontario, but let's talk about the GTA. Uh, in particular, Niagara, I know you've had uh, pre some pretty significant snow already. You can see based on the dark darker blues on the radar there where the snow is at its most intense right now and that is in downtown Toronto. So that's going to happen from about 6 p.m. now uh, until about 10 p.m. tonight. This is when we expect uh, the worst of this storm. We are under a winter weather travel advisory in much of the GTA. It's a, a freezing rain warning to our southwest. We briefly touched upon those winds there gusting to about 60 K already in London, close to it in the Hamilton area and to about 40 kilometers per hour here in Toronto proper. Minus three degrees, the current temperature. It feels colder than that once you factor in those strong 
strong winds and of course the winds reducing visibility leading to some blowing snow conditions. Later this evening we expect to change over to some ice pellets. There's also a risk of freezing rain and this system is going to be with us until the early morning hours of tomorrow. Lots to talk about. We'll take you through the forecast coming up. Michelle for now back to you. Thanks Lindsay and you can follow all the latest storm developments on our website ctvnewstoronto.ca. You can also tune in later this evening for all the updated weather information on CTV News at 1130 with our Zarata Allman. There is new concern tonight about the Ford government's plans for private health clinics and what it may cost for you to use one. The premier has said Ontario residents will not pay out of pocket for anything covered by OHIP, but critics say that may not be entirely true. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now. Siobhan, you were at a newser with the premier and the prime minister today. What are they saying? Well, the Premier continued to defend this plan that has been met with so much criticism. And we also heard the Prime Minister out with something of a reminder for not just this Premier, but Premiers across the country, that his government will help keep them in check. A familiar, friendly greeting between the Premier and Prime Minister the week after coming to a health care funding deal, after the province said it wants to rely more heavily on for-profit clinics to clear surgical backlogs. Canada has an extraordinarily strong Canada Health Act that ensures that Canadians have access to a public universal health care system. The Prime Minister didn't say yes or no when asked if the contours of the Canada Health Act need a rethink. This government has clawed back or withheld money or penalized a number of provinces for not having lived up to the Canada Health Act, and we will not hesitate to do so going forward. The Premier continues to insist something's got to give. We have to start thinking outside the box. We have to start thinking differently and uh, make bold decisions. But we'll always make sure uh, the safety comes first, and it always will. Make sure there's no different regulations and expedite the process. <coughs> Recovering from open-heart surgery, Lita Raptis had to pull out her credit card to pay for an MRI at a private clinic to decide her course of treatment. They did tell me that there is a charge, but of course I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, haggle, I didn't even... They told me it's going to be the charge of uh, $2,000. I said, OK, I mean, I had no choice. A position the Ontario Health Coalition says patients find themselves in too often. It should not be like going to a car mechanic when you go into your doctor's office where you're told that there are a range of things that you need and the patient has no idea how to measure the veracity of these claims. The government says it's adding guardrails. Integrated health centres will now have to post any uninsured charges, both online or in person, and every community surgical and diagnostic centre must have a process for receiving and responding to patient complaints. Not enough for the opposition. So, Premier, just, just gouging patients, but more transparently. That, that's kind of what I got from that answer. The government hasn't been able to say which regulator will be watching over the centres. All of this comes as a new poll from Angus Reid finds 47% of Ontarians are opposed to most kinds of private health care in this province. That's a rate higher than any other Canadian province. Reporting live, I'm Siobhan Morris. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Siobhan. Is this the first step? The federal government bans TikTok from all of its devices because of national security concerns and links to China. What could be next? That's coming up. There is some alarming new data tonight highlighting the mental health struggles some youth in Ontario may be experiencing. We have seen this uh, be, be, before the pandemic. The pandemic just uh, exasperated the issues. 
uh, the lack of supports and in, in, in resources for for students, the lack of so, uh, psychologists, social workers, youth and child workers. Uh, that has been a th something we've been calling for, uh, more investments in the, in the system. Uh, what we're seeing now is that um, those who are supposed to be supporting students are also under some of the burden and some of the stress. The report by the nonprofit group People for Education shows 91% of schools say they need more support for students' mental health and well-being, while just 9% of schools say they have regular access to a specialist or nurse. The report also suggests the mental health of staff is a concern and the issue is leading to increased absenteeism. The Ford government says it has increased funding and resources for schools to address the problem. A teen is recovering tonight following a stabbing in the parking lot of a Brampton school. Police were called to reports of a fight near Sandalwood Heights Secondary shortly after 11 this morning. Crews arrived to find an injured 17-year-old boy. He was immediately taken to a trauma center. No word on suspects or whether the teen was a student at the school. An alleged knife incident in Toronto has sent one man to hospital and triggered an investigation by the province's police watchdog. Officers shot and tasered a 31-year-old, and tonight family members want to know why. CTV's John Musselman is in the area tonight, and he joins us now. And, John, you've spoken with this man's family. That's right, Michelle. I spoke with his mother, who lives in New Jersey, and his uncle, who arrived here at the park uh, this morning. The vehicle in behind me is what the victim drove here with uh, he had a dog with him he went for a walk in the park and that's when things uh, went horribly wrong here police say it began in this park near black creek and trithui drive just before 8 a.m there were reports of a man threatening another man in the park with a knife my understanding is that there was the man in the park who was walking his dog and then there was some type of confrontation with another man in the park um, and the man with the dog had a knife and then following that officers were called. The park is located across from a police station. Officers were on scene quickly and confronted the man. There were two officers who discharged their CWs, conducted entry weapons, and then there was a third officer who fired their firearm. The 31-year-old man was rushed to a trauma center in critical condition. Police have not released his name yet, but this man who arrived on the scene tells CTV News it was his nephew who was shot. I know that he parked here. So he came to the park? Yeah, he came to the park to, to walk the park this... all the time. He always came to the park? Yeah. To walk this dog? Yeah. His uncle identified him as Devin Fowlin. He retrieved his nephew's dog from the police station. He says his nephew is dealing with mental health challenges. We spoke to his mother who lives in New Jersey. She just sent her son some money for food and gas. I don't know what, I don't know, really know what, what is really going through his mind. I try my best because whenever he needs anything, he always called me. And I gave him money to buy gas and food for him and the dog, you know. And he just asked me for some money just now. And I sent $42 just now for buy some food. Spencer Hayes says her son used to live in Quebec with his father, but a few years ago, he relocated to Toronto to live with his uncle. Investigators were searching through this vehicle in the parking lot, which the victim's uncle says his nephew drove to the park. And the latest update we had was the victim was undergoing surgery today and was listed in serious condition. Anyone with information about what happened here is asked to call Toronto Police or Crime Stoppers. Reporting live, I'm John Musselman. I'll send it back inside to you. All right. Thank you, John. There's been an arrest in a violent carjacking we first showed you last week. Two men pulled a woman out of the driver's seat of her SUV Tuesday in the parking lot of a Milton grocery store. Police say the pair was also involved in a hit and run and a gas station theft.
The woman was injured, but is said to be recovering. 38-year-old Sean Moore was picked up in Brampton Sunday in connection with the incident. He's facing charges of robbery and mischief. Police are still looking for a second suspect. We're hearing more about the dramatic events surrounding a tragic apartment fire in Scarborough over the weekend. The blaze killed one man and sent five others to hospital. CTV's Austin Delaney has been speaking to residents and joins us now live. Austin. Well, they told me they were very afraid. You know, thick black smoke filled the hallways of this high-rise. We're going to show you some very dramatic video of how one man escaped from a balcony. Take a look. Look to the top left of the screen. Look, 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 buddy, hanging out. Look, look, look at him. Look, look, look. A man so desperate to save his own life hanging from a high-rise balcony. He lets go, falling safely to the balcony below. Fire crews were racing to the scene as smoke and flames poured out of the fifth-floor apartment. I was going to jump off the balcony because I don't know to, I don't know how to, to escape that fire. It was so bad. Pauline Brown was in her apartment on the 13th floor. That thick black smoke had already reached her. When I opened the door, beer, beer smoke. Choking you, you cannot exit, not whatsoever. And I went in back and I started to cry. She thought she was going to die. Smoke, smoke, smoke all over. The fifth floor hallway is covered from wall to ceiling with soot stains. There is a stench of smoke lingering in the air. We find Roland one floor up who tells us how he escaped. And when I went through the left stairwell, I saw smoke coming. I had my hood up this hood, like this, all the way down to my face. Because if I opened it on a little bit, I was already going dizzy. One person on the fifth floor did not make it out alive, trapped by the fire and smoke. I was terrified, especially when I see a guy jumping from the, from the balcony where the fire was. Louis says he did not think the man would make it to the balcony below. It was like something out of a movie. Residents and passersby could not believe what they were seeing. The sheer volume of flames, it was just... The, the entire apartment was ablaze. You could see... Like the roof and, and the walls, just everything was completely engulfed in flames. It wasn't, it didn't look like it was a flame that was sort of on the ground. It was, it was everywhere. The fire marshal has been on the scene all day. And still no cause yet in the start of that fire. Five people were taken to hospital. One man remains in critical condition. Reporting live, I'm Austin Delaney. Nathan? All right, thank you, Austin. Southern Turkey has been struck by another earthquake three weeks after massive quakes devastated the region. More than two dozen buildings collapsed in today's magnitude 5.6 earthquake. At least one person was killed and over 100 others were injured. It was centered in an area that was hit hard on February 6th. Those quakes caused a total of more than 48,000 deaths in Turkey and Syria. The World Bank estimates there's over $34 billion in damage in Turkey alone. Ottawa says it's reacting to gross and systematic human rights violations. The Canadian government imposed more sanctions on Iran today. The latest round penalizes senior government and police officials. It follows a violent crackdown on protests that erupted in September following the death of a young woman. Masa Amini died in police custody after being arrested, allegedly because her headscarf was too loose. A group of lawmakers in Washington are turning their attention northward. A new congressional caucus will be announced tomorrow, focusing on our border. House Republicans are concerned about immigration, crime, and national security along the world's longest undefended border. They say there's been an increase in the trafficking of people and drugs and a decrease in border patrol agents and security. Canada's joined a growing number of nations taking action amid concerns about the use of TikTok. 
Starting tomorrow, the Chinese video sharing app will be banned from all mobile devices issued by the federal government. CTV's Judy Trin explains why. TikTok has reeled in more than a billion users worldwide. I use TikTok mostly for recipes and workout ideas. I use TikTok when I'm just looking to kill time, you know, watch something funny, maybe something therapeutic. But more than just a time waster, the federal government says using TikTok may leave users vulnerable to cyber attacks. It's banning the app from all government mobile devices. In a statement, Treasury Board President Mona Fortier says the decision to block TikTok stems from concerns about the legal regime that governs the information and that it poses an unacceptable risk to privacy and security. It is better uh, to not have them access TikTok uh, because of the concerns uh, that people have in terms of safety. Uh, this may be a first step. It may be the only step we need to take. But every step of the way, we're going to be making sure uh, we're keeping Canadians safe. TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, is based in Beijing and could be compelled to hand over information to the Chinese government. This cybersecurity expert says the app collects a lot of sensitive information. It wants permissions. It wants permissions to uh, your address book, your uh, photo album, and other information that, when gleaned, could could be quite sensitive in nature. Canada's decision to ban TikTok from government devices follows similar moves in the European Union and the United States. Its uh, parent company is controlled by the Chinese government, uh, and it gives them the potential to leverage the app in ways that I think should concern us. In a statement, TikTok officials said they are willing to discuss security and privacy concerns with the federal government, but that by singling out the app in this way, officials are only being prevented from reaching out to the public on a platform used by millions of Canadians. Judy Trin, CTV News, Ottawa. Meantime, the MP for Toronto's Don Valley North is denying that China helped him win the nomination for the 2019 election. A report last week alleged Han Dong was assisted by the Chinese consulate while running to be the Liberal Party candidate. Today, Dong said, I strongly reject the insinuations in media reporting that allege I have played a role in offshore interference in these processes and will defend myself vigorously against such inaccurate and irresponsible claims that come from an unverified and anonymous source. Sources also allege CSIS urged senior Liberal Party staff to rescind Dong's nomination, but the Prime Minister approved his candidacy. Justin Trudeau would not confirm or deny that today, but stood by Dong. Han Dong uh, is an outstanding member of our team, and suggestions that uh, he is uh, somehow not loyal to Canada um, should not be entertained. The Federal Conservative Party is renewing calls to have Trudeau's chief of staff testify. They want Katie Telford to appear at a House of Commons committee investigating election interference. Well, the free ride is coming to an end. The TTC is cracking down on riders who don't pay. Coming up, how the cash-strapped transit agency plans to get fair compliance back on track. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, are you planning a holiday anytime soon? If you're booking a trip for March break, make sure your flight information is correct. A woman just bought airline tickets and put the wrong date. Now she's about to lose $4,000. I'll have that story just ahead.
Well, sometimes timing is everything. We're not expecting quite as much snow with this storm as the one we got last week, but it's happening while millions are trying to get home from work. The heaviest amounts of snow peak rates two to four centimeters from about uh, now through to 10 o'clock tonight. And then waking up tomorrow morning, we're still going to be dealing with some light snow or perhaps some light freezing rain, but the worst of it will be over. Today is not our only day of messy weather. There's a few and we'll talk about which ones to look out for ahead in your seven day forecast and stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you tonight right here on CTV. When you're booking airline tickets, you have to be very careful to get your personal information correct as well as all the flight details. And that includes double checking the flight dates. A woman who made a mistake is about to lose $4,000. Pat Foran has our story on Consumer Alert. Pat. Nathan and Michelle, the woman came from India to go to college in Toronto. She wanted to buy her parents' airline tickets so they could come for a visit. But she accidentally put the wrong date, and even though she noticed her mistake within minutes, she's not entitled to a refund. Right away, I realized that it is the wrong date I booked it for. Mandeep Kaur now lives in Toronto. She came from India to study here as a student. Her parents have never been to Canada, so she wanted to surprise them with airline tickets. She went online and found a flight from New Delhi to Toronto. She meant to buy two tickets for March 8th, but accidentally put February 8th. After she bought the tickets, seven minutes later, she realized her mistake. Since I booked it in like error, it, it it was an un, like it was unintentional. I never wanted to book that flight. Core booked the tickets through the website Kiwi.com. They cost almost four thousand dollars, and she was told the type of ticket she bought didn't allow for changes or cancellations. Because she booked the flight two days before it was to leave, she was told there were no refunds. It's just too much to take in because four thousand dollars will take a long time for me to save again. CTV News reached out to Kiwi.com and a spokesperson said, We are very sorry for the situation that happened due to a mistake by our customer. We would like to stress the importance of double-checking all information prior to purchasing a flight. The company said it would try to resolve the matter with CORE. Following a review, they said while she was not eligible for a full refund, she was offered more than $2,000 cash or a $3,000 credit. That was a relief for Cor, who said it will help her buy another pair of tickets for her parents to visit. It's a very good news and um, whatever I'm getting, getting back, even if it's not the whole thing, whole amount, it is, I'm still grateful. Thank you so much, CTV, for helping me. Thank you so much. And some travel sites may give you a better price, but they may have strict policies if you need to change or cancel a trip. Always check refund policies carefully and double check all your personal information and dates when booking a flight. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Paying your fair share. The TTC is planning to start ticketing riders for non-payment at the end of March. The TTC estimates fare evasion is costing them millions of dollars and they want that money back. CTV's Natalie Johnson has the story. When the back doors open on a downtown streetcar, it's clear to see that not everyone is paying their share of the fare. You can see that everyone just get on the bus or the, on the streetcar and then no one pays. Yeah, people just walking on and off. The streetcar is really easy to hop on and off without paying. 
But starting next month, the TTC will be cracking down on fare evasion. Once again, writing $235 tickets for riders trying to scam the system. The only way to really change behavior at this point, now that people have been educated, I think is uh, increasing the likelihood of getting caught. And, um, you know, there's been a certain amount of disorder in the city. And I know this is just a minor aspect of that, but I think everyone needs to understand that there are rules. The transit agency put ticket writing on hold when the pandemic hit three years ago. Before that, fare inspectors were issuing about 1,800 tickets a month. The less fortunate deserve to be able to take transit, and unfortunately that's mostly what's going to get cracked down on. I just think that's ridiculous. But this year's TTC budget is counting on fewer free rides. It assumes a $6 million increase in passenger revenue that would otherwise be lost. Right now, about 13% of streetcar fares are not paid. We have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people riding the TTC every day, and you have 120 fare inspectors. I can't see 120 fare inspectors having that huge of an impact on getting that 13% down. I think they need to fit, focus on other priorities first, like keeping the TTC safe. Half of the system's fare inspectors were redeployed in December to support safety efforts. The TTC says those inspectors will still be doing safety checks when ticketing resumes. Our fare inspectors remain a high visibility support in the system. Fare evasion enforcement is a good first step to reestablishing a culture of order and a sense that, uh, that people are enforcing the rules. Rules that cost the system every time they are broken. Natalie Johnson, CTV News. All right, to the forecast, you can see it coming down. I mean, this is pretty bad. It's going to be a pretty rough drive home. Uh, not looking forward to it. And you have to give it to our reporters outside tonight. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, you could just see the snow accumulating throughout their hits. Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit guilty being inside with the two of you. But uh, yeah, it's a little bit rough out there. I know we already have snow on the ground because mm -hmm. we had that other storm last week, not even a full week ago. So this is fresh for us. But uh, you can see that the snow is already accumulating on the roads. I've seen some early reports, uh, unofficial about 12 centimeters of fresh snow already in the Kitchener-Waterloo area. I've seen reports of about 7 centimeters of fresh snow in Mississauga. You can go outside, take a ruler, find an area that's not a drift or last week's snow, and you can record some measurements yourself, and you can tweet us and let us know what's happening in your neighborhood. But I'm going to talk about what's ahead tonight and through tomorrow and over the next seven days, too. Let's get right to it. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. We've got some light freezing rain being reported this hour in London, Ontario. That's one of the communities included in the freezing rain warning. Elsewhere, in much of the GTA, it is a winter weather travel advisory. Environment Canada expanding this a little bit earlier today, uh, north toward the Barrie area, in through Muskoka, east into Peterborough, and for Kingston as well. In Ottawa, Ontario, it's a snowfall warning because upwards of 15 centimeters of snow is likely. A close look at our satellite and radar, we are in the thick of it right now. Some of the heaviest snow falling around the Golden Horseshoe and will widen out a little bit so you can see the mixing line. So areas of purple, that's where we have some ice pellets falling right now. There's the freezing rain around London and once again the north shore of Lake Erie. This is very reminiscent of the storm we had last week. It's just not packing the same punch necessarily. The, the system itself, a Colorado low, not as juicy as last week's. But boy oh boy, timing, I tell you, that heavy snow that 
that we're getting right now falling while so many people are out on the roads. If you don't have to travel tonight, I recommend you stay inside. It's a good night to stay home. We will say goodbye to this low pressure system through the day tomorrow. High pressure will fill in behind it, but not for long. Here's a look at some of the areas where we are expecting the ice build up. And again, this won't be quite as bad as it was last week either, but higher elevation areas, uh, mainly west of the city, that's where that's a possibility. And at this point, we're, we've been forecasting 5 to 10 centimetres of snow and ice here in the city of Toronto. If we get ice pellets, that could lessen the amounts, but we're well on our way to that already, and it's still early evening. Winds are at some of their strongest right now. We're going to see them ease somewhat as we make our way into the early morning hours tomorrow, but then tomorrow uh, afternoon is still another breezy day, not looking at 70K gusts, but maybe to around 50 kilometres per hour. Let's take you through the timing tonight. So there's about 10.30. You can see the system starting to pull away and break up a little bit, but it's still going to be with us through at least the middle part of the overnight. There's about six o'clock in the morning and uh, gradually conditions improve into the afternoon, a mostly cloudy day overall. But uh, Wednesday, little heads up, another round of mixed precipitation, a possibility at this time. And then Friday night, I'm going to show you that on the seven day forecast in just a moment. But first, here's overnight temperature holding steady at around zero, maybe climbing to one degree before morning. Tomorrow's forecast high is four degrees, so that's mild. Three degrees for Wednesday when we get that next round of mixing. It's early, but we're keeping an eye on Friday, especially at night for more in the way of accumulating snow. Just what you wanted to hear, right? That's the weather for now. Nathan, I'll send it back to you. All right, thank you, Lindsay. There are new developments tonight in the fight to protect Hanlon's Point. The Toronto Island Beach is being eyed for upgrades that some say could damage its ecosystem and connection with the queer community. CTV's Mike Walker joins us now. Mike, you have an update for us. That's right, Michelle. Well, for a few weeks now, advocates have been voicing concerns about a proposed festival venue that they said would push out the LGBTQ community, but city officials provided us an update late this afternoon saying they've dropped that venue from the proposal. For decades, Hanolins Point has been considered a safe haven for Toronto's LGBTQ community, but a transformative proposal that includes a live event space for festivals by the city has raised alarms. Important to remember that this is Canada's oldest surviving queer space. It does feel like the queer community is being squeezed out. Travis Myers is with Hands Off Hanolins, a newly formed grassroots group of beachgoers concerned the festival space could expose the LGBTQ community to discrimination and homophobic violence. Um, there have been incidences of violence and discrimination. We need to make sure that the handful of jerks who are showing up and causing a commotion and hurting people don't turn into thousands of people who are showing up and don't understand the space. The draft master plan includes a formalized festival space on the lawn where events and music festivals have been held in the past. By adding some permanent infrastructure like a power drop at a minimum, and the proposal also called for some shaping of the space, like a, creating a sort of a natural amphitheater. Daniel Fusca, who is the manager of public consultation for Toronto Parks, Forestry and Recreation, says the city decided to drop the festival venue proposal today following recent community feedback. 
We've heard from over 2,000 people loud and clear that that's not something that people want. And so um, we've decided to be, to be uh, res res responsive to the community and accountable to the community and drop that proposal. Meaning it will be status quo. The Toronto Islands are part of Councillor Osmo Malik's ward. And this is a huge opportunity to improve the process and make it better by including community voices and coming up with a framework that is going to make sure that this is a safe and protected space for generations to come. Tonight at the 519, the community will have an opportunity to provide the city with more feedback, an opportunity Meyer says to change the course. How we can make this into um, an official heritage space or a place that has some sort of uh, concrete designation as a historically queer area so that we don't have to do this again in 5 or 10 or 15 years. A commemoration city officials say they are committed to, adding the new master plan for the Toronto Islands is far from being finalized. Now, many community members are just learning of this new development at tonight's meeting. The city says there will be a virtual consultation on March 9th, and it intends on presenting its master plan for the Toronto Islands to City Council in the fall. Reporting live, I'm Mike Walker. Nathan, back to you. All right. Thank you, Mike. Also tonight, one particular film rakes in the winds at the SAG Awards and why the decision to have Mark Wahlberg present the final trophy of the night has sparked a backlash. The Megan Bebeneck Foundation was inspired by a little girl who died in 2001 of an incurable brain tumor. And this week, the organization will be honoring a medical pioneer whose work could lead to a cure for children like Megan. Here's our health reporter, Pauline Chan. It's been Denise Babinek's life's work to raise money for brain cancer research ever since her daughter Megan died at the age of five. Uh, Megan was a little one that loved life and loved her friends and would, um, well, did encourage me to never stop fighting for these kids. On March 1st, the storied El Macombo will be the site of a fundraiser called A Night of Discovery and featuring a range of musical talents. But the event isn't just about entertainment. It also is honoring groundbreaking scientific work sponsored by the Megan Bebenek Foundation. Neurosurgeon Dr. James Rutka has been working with a team at Sunnybrook to find a treatment for children with diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma, or DIPG, the same cancer that Megan had. In January, they did the first procedure in the world, opening the blood-brain barrier to allow chemotherapy to reach the tumor deep inside the brain. We're talking about getting specific therapies directly across the blood-brain barrier that normally wouldn't penetrate and so we're able to efficiently get these drugs to the site where the tumor is. Results have been so promising, a hospital in Washington, D.C. is set to replicate the procedure there. But they borrowed our protocol uh, because they have the technology that we have, the focused ultrasound technology. Denise Babinek says for the past 20 years, the foundation has sponsored research as well as a medical fellowship to train foreign doctors how to treat pediatric brain cancers in their own countries. Now they are hopeful their funding will bring more hope than ever to children just like Megan. To know that we have made strides, accomplishments that are needed are, are I mean, warms my heart and um, I, in my mind and in my heart, we've just begun. Pauline Chan, CTV News. And now our Andrea Case is hosting the Megan's Hug fundraiser March 1st.
Some other news now is a night to celebrate those in front of the camera on television and film. But a controversy has erupted after award presenter Mark Wahlberg's past resurfaced, overshadowing one of the biggest wins of the night. And here is Andrea Case for more on the SAG Awards last yeah. night. Hey, and, hey Andrea. Michelle and Nathan, good evening. Sorry to cut you off there, love. It's okay. Um, some say you shouldn't be judged for our past actions, and people change. But when Mark Wahlberg took to the stage, some say it was an embarrassment for Hollywood. And now, Mark Wahlberg. When Mark Wahlberg stepped onto the stage at the Screen Actors Guild Awards to present the trophy for outstanding performance by a cast in a motion picture, not everyone agreed with the organization's choice. And the actor goes to everything, everywhere, all at once. The 51-year-old presented the biggest and final award of the night to everything, everywhere, all at once, and it's mostly Asian cast. In 1988, 16-year-old Wahlberg was convicted and served time in prison for assaulting two Vietnamese men during a convenience store robbery attempt. At the time, he also shouted racial epithets at them. In 2014, he asked for and failed to get a pardon for the crime. Many people thought it was ironic that he would be the one to make the presentation. Others said it was an overreaction. He served his time, apologized, and turned his life around, including raising millions for charity. Speaking on behalf of the cast, 94-year-old Chinese-American actor James Hong talked about his early years in Hollywood. The leading role was played by these guys with the eyes taped up like this, and they talk like this. And the producer said the Asians were not good enough, and they are not box office. But look at us now, huh? Male actor in a supporting role, Ki Hui Kwan, was the first Asian actor to ever win in this category. To all those at home who are watching, who are struggling and waiting to be seen, please keep on going because the spotlight will one day find you. Michelle Yozwin was also a first for an Asian woman. Thank you for giving me a seat at the table because so many of us need this. We want to be seen, we want to be heard, and tonight, you have shown us that it is possible. The SAGs are facing a backlash and not commented on the controversy. And at one point during the broadcast, Wahlberg and Kwan could be seen embracing and talking. Years ago, one of Wahlberg's victims said he was young and reckless, but I forgive him now. Everyone deserves another chance. Okay, so back to the award schedule. Oscar voting starts later on this week. The next major award show is Independent Spirit on the weekend. And following that, finally, March 12th, the Academy Awards seen right here, Sunday, March 12th, 8 p.m. on CTV. Reporting live, I'm Andrea Case. Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Thank you, Andrea. A number of major Canadian newspapers have dropped the comic strip Dilbert following comments by its creator. Scott Adams made remarks last week deemed racist, hateful and discriminatory. Several media publishers across the U.S. canceled his strip and so have the Toronto Star, the Globe and Mail and Post Media, which includes several Sun papers across Canada. Its flagship paper, the National Post, has not carried the comic in years. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. Coming up, an Argos champ with the Grey Cup in tow makes a stop at a local school to tackle bullying. The powerful message just ahead. Well, hi, Nathan and Michelle. The GTA is bracing for another blast of winter this evening. The second system in less than a week, and it could impact your morning plans and commute. Be sure to tune in to CP24 Breakfast tomorrow, where we will have you covered 
And from the winter white to whiter teeth, we'll also have some tips on whitening your teeth as well. So from the weather, the road conditions, and everything you need to know, CP24 Breakfast is up first at 5 a.m. Tune in then. You're gonna see all of our equipment on the road and on the sidewalks. So when you see the equipment, please do not drive closely to the equipment. Updating our top stories, the GTA is being hit by a winter storm, which has brought both snow and freezing rain to much of Southern Ontario. People are being warned to stay off the roads if possible. I don't know what, I don't know, really know what, what is really going through his mind. The family of a 31-year-old man is speaking after he was shot by police in North York. Officers say the man had a knife and was threatening another person near Black Creek and Trithui. He remains in hospital in critical condition. The SIU has taken over the investigation. We've heard from over 2,000 people loud and clear that that's not something that people want. The city has scrapped plans for a festival event space on Hanlon's Point following pushback from Toronto's LGBTQ2S plus community. The group expressed concern the proposal could have exposed the community to discrimination and violence. In business, Canadians are feeling more confident about the economy. And as BNM Bloomberg's Jacqueline Hansen tells us, the source of that confidence may come as a bit of a surprise. There's growing optimism among some Canadians that the worst may be over for Canada's housing market. According to the Bloomberg Nanos Canadian Confidence Index, more than a quarter of Canadians surveyed expect house prices to rise in the next six months. That's the highest since September, and it helped boost the overall confidence index to its highest since September as well. That's despite the fact that January was the worst month for home sales since 2009 and that Canada's central bank raised interest rates for the eighth time in a row that month. However, some may be hoping there is light at the end of the tunnel after the Bank of Canada said that it would stop raising rates to assess their impact thus far. Let's take a look at some of the closing market numbers for today. The Canadian dollar is trading up slightly to 73.66 cents U.S. West Texas Intermediate Oil declined about 60 cents to roughly $75 U.S. a barrel. And Western Canadian Select declined about a dollar to roughly $59 U.S. a barrel. As for stock markets, the TSX gained just 40 points to end the day at 20,260.13. That is the latest in business. I'm Jacqueline Hansen of BNM Bloomberg. They believe they made a trade with Chicago, adding depth up front and on the blue line. Toronto acquired defenseman Jake McCabe today. The 29-year-old was originally taken in the second round of the 2012 draft by Buffalo. He had two goals and 18 assists with the Blackhawks this season. The Leafs also got Sam Lafferty. The 27-year-old forward has tallied 10 goals and 21 points this season. Going the other way are forwards Joey Anderson and Pavel Gugalev. Both teams also swapped draft picks. The NHL trade deadline is Friday. From the ice to the diamond with a move by the Blue Jays today, they've hired the man who helped build teams that went to back-to-back -back World Series in Houston. James Click is being brought to Toronto as vice president of baseball strategy. The Astros' former general manager will work across both professional and amateurs levels. Tonight, ditching Dilbert in Canada and beyond. The syndication company decided to part ways with me. New fallout for the creator of the popular cartoon strip for comments called out as racist. Later on CTV National News. 
A soccer match in Istanbul was paused on the weekend for a remarkable display of kindness and compassion. Thousands of teddy bears and other stuffed toys were thrown onto the pitch. They were brought to the game to be donated to the children who survived the earthquakes earlier this month. Winter clothing was also tossed onto the field. The team announced the event with a social media post saying, always let children smile. Sports stars have a superpower. When they talk, kids often listen. Here in Toronto, MLSC is harnessing that power by huddling up with students to tackle bullying, racism and discrimination. CTV Sean Lethon reports a special visit to a Midtown school today. Who here watches football? Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Speaking to a room of middle school aged kids, Toronto Argonaut Robbie Smith was addressing an unfortunate reality. Wherever you go in life, people are going to, they're going to be bullies. But a lot of times it was very, very mean stuff. The Grey Cup champion was at Hodgson Middle School in Toronto showing off some hardware and bringing a message about how to deal with those who choose to bully. When somebody says something negative about you, it's really not about you, it's, it's really more about them and they have some sort of insecurities. The talk was part of a program by Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment called Huddle Up. And I showed up to practice. Started by Jason Calero back in 2001, who wanted to share his own experience being bullied as part of a high school football team. When you're bullied, you have your sense of identity taken away. So I felt alone. I felt like it was me against the world. Calero says a teammate spoke up for him, helping him to grow and succeed. There are good people out there who are going to speak up, right? And that's kind of what we're trying to encourage through this whole program. And that's the challenge that the Huddle Up program places on these kids, to be someone who stands up, to be a teammate. It's great to um, be extremely aware of like what's going on around. I like the fact that they're spreading awareness for bullying. To show that you shouldn't be bullying and you should always have lift people up. Reminding kids that there's someone on their side, someone willing to speak up, and it's good to be that person too. Sean Lee Thong, CTV News. What a great message. Well, we have to talk about the weather. As predicted, it is uh, definitely impacting things on the road, slowing things down, and there's more to come. There is. You know, that snow is still falling. We are anticipating that more will accumulate. This is what uh, uh, the Highway 410 area, 403, looks like at this hour in the Mississauga area. And I must say, you'll tonight want to take a, a lot of care on the on-ramps, the off-ramps, because snow can pile up pretty quickly on those, and they don't get cleared as quick as some of the major uh, thoroughfares. Let's take a look at the satellite and radar, show you where the snow is falling. And yes, it continues to be widespread around the GTA, but you'll notice that it's starting to taper off to our west. We're still seeing some freezing rain in southwestern Ontario and along that north shore of Lake Erie. It's starting to creep into the Niagara area at this time, but I want to point out a couple of areas like Stony Creek, for example, Oakville, over toward now uh, Durham region, Bowmanville, Coburg. You are getting into some of the heavier bands of snow, and the snow is also reaching areas like Barrie, Lindsay, and Peterborough at this hour. One more look at the advisories that are in place, a freezing rain warning to our southwest, a winter weather travel advisory for us here locally, maybe 5 to 10 centimeters of snow. Some areas will see a little more than that. It does taper off for tomorrow morning, so tomorrow morning's commute not expected to be as bad as tonight's. And there's one more look at the seven-day forecast with more active weather to come. Michelle and Nathan. Thank you, Lindsay. And that's it for us, but be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 1130. In the meantime, 
Hour coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night.